Hi and welcome to the Digital Accessibility Podcast sponsored by PCR Digital who provide people-centric recruitment. Throughout this series I'll be interviewing professionals who work within the field of accessibility to share their expertise, journeys and general thoughts on the key issues facing the industry today. My aim is to provide an in-depth look into the world of digital accessibility and the impact it has on everyone. The goal is to bridge the skills gap in the current market and inspire other people to join the movement towards a more accessible digital world. So whether you're a seasoned professional or just starting out, I hope that this platform will provide you with valuable insights and practical advice from experts and advocates within this extremely important community. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy the chat. Joining me today is Grant Broom, who is the Founder and Digital Accessibility Strategy Manager at Dig Inclusion. Dig Inclusion is a small company dedicated to making digital media totally inclusive. They provide testing and training to ensure that your services are accessible to everyone, regardless of ability. Grant was also Web Accessibility Manager for CDSN Interactive Solutions, now known as Thinky. Um, Grant is someone who has dedicated their career to digital accessibility and inclusion with over 20 years of experience in the space. He has invaluable hands-on experience and we're hoping to tap into that today. So welcome to the podcast, Grant. Thank you, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, thanks so much for inviting me. No problem at all. Um, so next to 20 years working within the field of accessibility, designing uh, more inclusive websites and tools. Many conversations that I have um, include a part about how there's still so much to do, but to try and make it more positive, I'm sure that there must have been so much progress within that time, surely. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, the landscape has changed an awful lot in 20 years. Uh, when you think about the developments in technology, um specifically mobile devices um arriving um uh richer content and higher bandwidth means much more video and uh, other interaction uh, and ai has just landed so it's it's hard to know where to begin but um i think the most significant change is probably awareness of accessibility so moving on in 20 years back in back when i started in accessibility you, you had to explain what it was, let alone get people to try and um, uh, introduce inclusive practices uh, or even think about having something like an audit. Uh, and that's changed. So now with legislation um, and just an increased awareness of disability and inclusion, uh, people know what accessibility is now. Uh, I think the next challenge is really to help people to implement it and understand it and um, start moving towards producing more accessible content, which is which is the main challenge. But yeah, certainly in 20 years, things have progressed a lot. There's been a lot of change and there's been a lot of positive move towards making more inclusive content, which is obviously a good thing. Definitely. It's, um, it's great to know that that awareness is being, is constantly being raised and obviously you've had a big part um, to do, you've had a big part in that and um, I think that the landscape in general is growing isn't it, I think we're seeing an awful lot more, I, I say a lot on this podcast, is it because I'm talking about it more and talking to those people but I think in general we're starting to see 
more accessible or more diverse ad advertisements even on TV that are including people that are maybe hard of hearing or, or deaf or, or bl blind people or people with disabilities sort of in, in programmes and stuff. So even that awareness, I think, and representation really starts to help as well. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, it's it's been represented in a much more positive way now as well. So um, I think I think historically people have been a little bit afraid of disability or um, unsure about how to speak to people with disabilities. And I think exposure has been quite low, but I think that has changed and uh, the media representation of disability has changed dramatically well as well in that time. And that's that's just all very helpful. Definitely brilliant. And also what's equally or even more so helpful um, is what you do with Dig Inclusion. So could you go into a bit more detail about what it is that Dig Inclusion does and what your plans are for the near future? Um, and also, so there's a few questions here, um, maybe share one of your biggest achievements since founding that company. Um, yeah, a proud moment for you would be, would be nice to hear about. Okay, uh, so Dig Inclusion helps companies understand and deliver accessible content. So we do this through audits and consultancy and uh, and training. Uh, we also fix PDFs and make them accessible, which is one of those kind of hidden areas of accessibility, which people often don't think about. So very often you'll get uh, a perfectly accessible journey on the web uh, and that will end with an inaccessible PDF. Um, so that's one of the services that we we offer and, and something that people probably don't think about enough. Um, so we've got a team of testers who have uh, deep knowledge of accessibility requirements and how to check content to make sure that they meet those requirements. Uh, I think one of the biggest issues that design and development teams have is, um, is just understanding the issues that their content has. Well, well, not just understanding the issues that the content has, but how to fix it as well. Uh, so we spend a lot of time with our clients, helping them understand what these issues are, how they impact on people and how to fix those issues as well, which is, you know, the important key. Uh, having the technical knowledge to be able to do that is, is quite important. Uh, back in January, Dig was acquired by uh, Nile Group based in Edinburgh, and they're a really great company. And they've helped us tighten up our proposition and offer better services to customers. Um, and uh, in the near future, we'll be uh, getting better visibility on our brand. Uh, I think we've always offered really good, uh, I would like to say best in class accessibility services, but we haven't really had the, um, uh, the time or um, to, to spend on marketing what we actually do. Um, so that'll be changing in the uh, in the coming months. Um, we'll also be dipping our toes into AI um, and finding out whether it's really useful for accessibility testing yet. So there are um, other services out there that say that they use AI, but they're not particularly impressive right now. Um, and I'd like to explore whether some of the other approaches for using AI can help our testing teams uh, with um, with speed more than anything, because accessibility testing is uh, it's it's a lot of heavy lifting. There's a it's it's quite laborious, and I mean you know just in the labour sense. And if we can um, develop tools that can help us with it, that's um, that's going to be. That's going to be great. Uh, I think probably one of the biggest achievements of of uh, Dig 
Um, it's probably not one thing, but I think that for, for a company that was bootstrapped, we've got a really imp impressive uh, client list across finance and sports, uh, retail and, uh, and charity sector as well. And um, it's, I'm really proud that it's, it's grown from, you know, very humble beginnings uh, with, with, no, with no investment. Uh, and it's grown to, to a company that's, you know, servicing um, some very impressive clients. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I think that's probably the thing that I'm most proud, proud of and, and uh, our, our Hugger tool, uh, which hopefully we'll get to talk about as well. Definitely be asking about that in, in a little bit. Um, and I think, so from our conversation when we met at Accessibility Scotland um, last month now, um, we mentioned about the recruitment in the space and unfortunately there was a one of the candidates that I've placed elsewhere had been trained and, and, and was currently working with yourself. So it was a, an unfortunate instance where I kind of poached someone from you, but I'd say an achievement of DIG is that you do offer that outstanding training you make some of the, you know, some people with with limited knowledge, I suppose, in the accessibility field, you provide them with huge amounts of knowledge and then they can provide that best in service level across the board. So even beyond DIG, you know, uh, that's a huge achievement to know that some of those Thank people you. that you've you've given, you've imparted that knowledge on them and, and assisted them to grow in their own personal journeys as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always painful when you've got, you know, someone like a key key member of staff uh, leave. Um, but at the same, you know, at the at the same time, I, I don't think we can talk about where they went to. But, you know, it's um, very proud that we've we've managed to um, train people to the level where they can go and work for some of the, you know, the, the, the top companies in the world. And, you know, I suppose it's a bit of a sweet moment in that sense. It's like, uh, I don't know, when you nurture someone and they um, and they just become excellent uh, and then they they go on to do other things. I think that's, you know, it's 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 also a proud moment as painful as it is, you know, at the time. Uh, it's good to know that they're valued in that way and, you know, to their own credit as well, when people work hard in this industry. I think that plenty of doors can open. There, there's so so much that needs to be done in accessibility, and it's probably one of the most um, it's one, probably one of the the fastest growing areas at the moment because so many companies are behind on accessibility, and they they probably don't even understand the need for recruitment. So the the ones that do, um, they uh, they find the gems, uh, and it, it, I'm really pleased that you know some of the people that we've um trained up in in dig have gone on to to do um to join those great companies absolutely yeah definitely and it's a, it is a shame because i mean we're a very small company ourselves so it's really tricky that there is that com competitive market where you know you mm. could lose people to other other larger companies that can offer certain things that that we might not be able to offer and um it's it's an unfortunate thing, but like you say, if we can see that the sort of bittersweet, but the more the sweet side that, you know, um, they're out there doing doing the good work, then uh, that's pretty. And, you know, you're you're they're still carrying the torch, the the dig inclusion torch, you know, where where they learned what they know, uh, but brilliant. And then um, so we yeah, again mentioned that we met at um, Accessibility Scotland in September. 
really nice to meet you face to face and catch up. So I know that we've we've had a few sort of discussions online, but it was, it's, it's, there's something different about meeting in person. Um, and you mentioned then that you, you've developed a tool to assist with some more automation of accessibility testing, and that's going to help so many people, like you just mentioned about how laborious it can be um, conducting those sort of content and uh, the tests of content um, and tools. Um, could you go into any more detail about that tool and how that might help? I would love to. Uh, so, so one of the things about accessibility testing is that um, it's it can be very repetitive. Um, it's just the nature of that type of testing. Probably most types of testing digital products is you'll find an amount of repetition. So, so we we developed Hugger to to reduce that or eliminate it in some circumstances. So the tool we've uh, been developing is called Hugger. Uh, we developed it as an in-house um, tool uh, or framework for for our own accessibility testing. Uh, because I think we just got tired of Excel spreadsheets and Word documents and reporting in that way. And I know that there are other methods of reporting, such as through JIRA. And there are other accessibility frameworks out there as well. But but we, we felt that we just needed to, to have something that suited the way that we tested. <clears throat> and also to keep everything uh, in one place and, and simplify the testing process and make it consistent. Um, so the database behind Hugger contains hundreds of pre-written issues that can be found in an instant and every one of those has a corresponding solution and it's a guided process as well so I I'm kind of jumping around with ideas I suppose or, or concepts of it but, but essentially a person who is uh, using Hugger even if they're a rookie even if they're not that experienced they'll they'll um, they'll be presented with, with a spreadsheet. Uh, they'll be able to, uh, an online spreadsheet through a browser uh, that will have um, columns and rows representing the different guidelines and the different types of content they want to test. And then it's a guided process through testing. Um, and the aim is to, to populate you know, everything in the spreadsheet. Um, but what's happening is that as people are adding um, issues to the spreadsheet as they add in screenshots etc a report is getting written in the background so by the time you you finish just logging all the data that you have uh, the reports written for you at the end uh, but it makes the the amount of writing and the amount of repet rep repetition um, I won't say disappear but it, it, it minimizes it and it, it uh, removes the need for a lot of it so it just means that we can get through testing uh, much faster than we would use in uh, traditional methods. And for our customers, it's um, it's very easy for them to look at the report. They can log in online. They can comment on the issues that we've raised. They can ask for uh, more information, et cetera. So it's it's a very, um, it's, it's a slick uh, way of doing accessibility uh, testing. And, and it's free as well. So we do have enterprise versions and team versions. But there's a, also a free version that people can go along and try out. It's uh, hugger.app, so that's H-U-G-R dot A-P-P. Uh, and it's uh, it's not an app you'd use on your phone. It is actually something that you'd use on your desktop through a browser. Uh, and it'll rapidly, um, you can go through accessibility testing really rapidly and, and speed up the process using that. So I urge anyone to give it a go. 
and see what they think about it and let me know you know if, what what they think of it as well and if there's anything that we can do to improve it we would be all ears that sounds fascinating sounds amazing so i'm even going to go and do that now with our website because <laughs> like you said it's, it's a guided process i mean obviously i know a fair amount about accessibility but on the less practical side so and what i'm trying to do is is more courses and um, get more practical knowledge for myself as well just to better serve clients but if, if something like that if you said it's you said it's more or less a guided process if you know what you're looking for sort of thing um could yeah, it help can, to train people yeah it can so the, there's guidance built into it so with every um with every criteria that you're testing against say 1.1.1 which is um um non uh alternatives for non-text content or basically alternative text for images that, that's what it really boils down to um there's there's guidance in there that is uh, written in uh in 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 a very readable format so so one thing about the the guidelines that we have the web content accessibility guidelines or wcag um they are quite technical i think you'd probably need to be a developer to understand them all properly mm -hmm. uh, so what we've done is we've we've taken that information and we've just made it easy to read and understand and also simplified the test process for the different criteria so i i think that probably anybody with the basic knowledge of html should be able to uh, just open up hugger start testing and get really good results from it brilliant perfect and you've said a key point there as well that I, i'm just going to circle back to very quickly um about the WCAG guidelines and how they can be they're written in quite technical speak or technical jargon um which in itself you could say i don't want to say anything against the w3c they do great work no. and the guidelines are yeah. very helpful so. but in itself could make those guidelines inaccessible um to people that struggle to read technical jargon um so that's great that you've got a tool like that that's going to put it in more layman's terms i suppose or something that's like you say more readable a wider audience then in turn making digital accessibility or the provision of digital accessibility more accessible more people can get into the profession um which i think is is the end goal for this podcast anyway but um in general i think if we need we need more support globally um people focusing on and working in the in the space so that's it's brilliant and definitely going to reiterate go to hugger.app h-u-g-r dot app um, yeah. give it a go um i'll put links obviously in in the description for for this uh this episode and um i'm sure that people will be able to get in touch with you directly grant with any feedback and and tips. Yeah, absolutely excellent great stuff um so during your time in the accessibility space you must have seen just how restricted and niche the field can be um as we've just mentioned but has there always been that skills gap is it because it's so niche and is that one of the reasons that dig was founded um and would you say that there are less roles available um it seems that the, there's a need for specialists to come into multiple companies in a system so you need more of a consultancy framework rather than an in-house team like is that why dig was in, it was created to make it more of a consultancy yeah so um yeah I, th I think most most companies even very large companies don't have uh, an accessibility team in-house 
So most companies at the moment, at least, will be looking to third parties to uh, fulfill those needs. Um, there's a huge skills gap in accessibility at the moment. Um, I think the accessibility lead role is growing um, and more companies are investing in full-time accessibility leads. Um, but that that doesn't mean that those leads can then do the testing as well. That's not really their role. Their role is to 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 manage the the output of the company, make sure that the company understands how to create accessible content, um, also do the testing, well, manage the testing. They shouldn't really be doing testing themselves. Although I think a lot of them do get involved in testing because it's very difficult to um, not to be drawn into that. Um, and it's, it's a very tough role with lots of people in this role suffering burnout actually. And I think that's because they just need more support or they need, um more uh need to be able to shift the load a little bit more i think uh, i think the main reason uh is that it's so isolated so if, if you work for a company like dig inclusion most of those around you have a sim similar knowledge <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> and you can share the load more easily uh, but even then it's it's tough because all all roads will lead to you um, and if you're an accessible lead in an organization, you often find that you're the only one with anything close to a complete knowledge of the subject, and you'll be bombarded with information requests, support, training, and other day-to-day -day managerial tasks. And it's easy to become overwhelmed, and uh, we see that happening a lot. So, you know, in Accessibility Scotland, there were a couple of speakers there um, that, that uh, mentioned it or even had it on the slides and I've seen a, a few slides recently and I think I think the root of that is just because the accessibility accessibility is hard you know it's it's it is um, it is quite quite tough um, and and when we the approach that we take at um, in in dig inclusion to get people up to speed uh, we, we often work with people who uh, don't have any accessibility experience, but of course we need to get their knowledge up as soon as possible so that we, you know, the leadership roles aren't, you know, diving in and kind of uh, doing the testing themselves. The approach we take at DIG um, when we're uh, trying to get people up to speed when we take on uh, new employees, um, I call them employees, but really, you know, they're, they're they're, they're consultants in their own right, really. Um, they've got a lot of skills and, and a very deep knowledge. Uh, but we, we tend to take people who um, maybe have very little experience, but they've got the right aptitude. Um, and they're, they're, we've identified that they're, 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 they're going to be a fast learner, or at least we hope that they will, because there's a lot of learning to do. And it's it's a process that takes about six months, but they'll shadow a uh, an experienced uh, tester or senior tester. They'll do a testing alongside them. They'll have some of the simpler criteria to test, and we'll just build up their knowledge over time. And then at around six months, we'll we'll uh, let them have their own projects and uh, monitor the outcomes of those through a QA process. So it's 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 quite a long process. There's a lot of investment, I suppose, in time. Uh, but but what it means is that you know it, it's not a case of you put someone on a training course and then suddenly they're an accessibility expert. It's it's their their knowledge is born out of doing the test along someone who's very very experienced in testing, uh, and then we'll find that they um, they'll just be very very capable of doing the tests themselves. 
um, and that that's a, the approach we take and that's how we um, we we create so many great um, uh, oh I can't say that we create great people uh, but we <laughs> that's how we foster or oh, that's how we nurture that, that's the right word so that's how we we nurture people's uh, skill set and accessibility and it, it seems to work really well it's a it's a lovely framework to have but I think it again it's that imparting knowledge and and giving people practical experience or practical knowledge because we know a lot there are a lot of certifications you can get out there um there's a lot of courses you can take like the ones i've you know i've done myself and it's it's not necessarily going to give you that mindset it's not going to give you the understanding of the user requirements and how different they can be and if you do something one way um recently had a chat with sean connor who's who's um the head of accessibility at monzo bank and he was saying that um it's it's it is that mindset and trying to get into what are the user requirements and if I'm going to develop or design something this way, who might I exclude? And uh, not many people think that simple thing initially, um, mm. which would help if a lot of people ask that question early on in the design phase. Then uh, it, it may make things a little bit better. But yeah, no, it's an amazing framework to have and. And you're, you, like you said, I think you are not uh, nurturing and, and fostering uh, new talent and putting them into the into the marketplace, which is is always brilliant. Um, so perfect, uh, good, brilliant, very rewarding, definitely. Um, uh, so, for the listeners, for people that might be interested in working with the consultancy such as Dig Inclusion, could you give us an idea of what the sort of what the benefits are of of working with a consultancy? I guess you've kind of touched on that because. A lot of companies will only they'll probably put a lead in place and say that's our budget we've invested in accessibility they manage everything top to bottom but um i guess what what would it usually be with it is it a longer term partnership with with the clients you bring on board yeah it has to be it has to be longer term you know so so as we've already discussed like the learning for for a trainee who's Who's with us takes at least six months so for, for a whole company to kind of gain that knowledge internally and change the culture <clears throat> it takes it takes longer so so we do sometimes just do an audit uh, for companies because that's their budget um, but the ones that have the greatest success are the ones that you know we have a more uh, long-term um, relationship with uh, companies normally have very large gaps in their accessibility knowledge and capability that they're blissfully unaware of. Um, they're creating huge amounts of inaccessible content and that puts them at risk uh, of losing customers and uh, not so much here in the UK at the moment, although it will change, but you know, in, in the US we see a lot of punitive uh, legal um, uh, action uh, against companies that don't produce accessible content and I, I think we are going to see that happening here as well in the UK and there's you know new laws coming out across the EU that are that mean that you know everybody has to have accessible content and I think companies are still uh, catching up on that uh, but it, it's such a complex topic and uh, I think most people are under the impression that somebody in the company is taking care of it, that they've got a handle of, of it. Usually, the the accessibility lead, but but of course they can't they can't do all of it. And the reality is that uh, teams are working flat out to meet the deadline, and accessibility is one of the last things that they 
dedicate sufficient time to and one of the first things to fall by the wayside. Um, and that's because accessibility is, is so complicated. There are so many requirements for so many different user types. The guidance is very technical, as we've discussed, and therefore it's easy to misinterpret it if you don't have a technical background. And that that's one of the difficult things with accessibility is a lot of people, they're not technical, they're, they're in accessibility because they, they care about people or their designers. And um, because of the, the technical nature of WCAG for a lot of it, <clears throat> um, it's, it's very difficult for them to get into. So, so the benefit of working with Dig Inclusion or any other consultancy like us is that we're here to help you navigate a very rocky landscape. Um, I remember someone uh, hearing someone say that um, accessibility isn't rocket science. Uh, and I'd argue that in many ways, it's more difficult than rocket science. At least when you build in a rocket, everyone has the same outcome in mind. Uh, the accessibility company is here to make sure your rocket doesn't blow up on the launch pad, uh, especially in light of uh, those new regulations that I just mentioned. And it can be it can be very, very challenging. So so we, we need to, uh, you know, our role as a company is just to help people understand what accessibility is. Uh, what the what the outcomes are for accessibility, um, tests for accessibility. There's a lot of facets to it um, that we just need to have in place to make sure that those companies understand where they're going, and it takes time. So those those longer term relationships that we have with clients uh, are the ones where we see the best results. Definitely, yeah, and I love that. That's probably going to be featured in a, in a new in an upcoming episode. Is a is a a quote from Grant Broom that accessibility is actually more difficult than rocket science. I'd love to see people refute that. Um, <laughs> I think it's um, it's, a great, it's a great. Well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if Elon Musk listens to the podcast. That would be uh, interesting, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. But yeah, so. Um, do you have an idea of what you think are the most immediate challenges facing digital accessibility, like say the next year? And um, you've mentioned the, the new regulations across the EU that are coming in 2025, I believe. Um, are they having an impact already on companies' appetites for accessibility? Or are we still seeing that blissful ignorance or un unawares um, amongst the sort of uh, the business community? Um. <clears throat> So tackle that last one first. I, I think that um, I think the regulations will have an impact, but they'll probably be retrospective once they've come out. So so what we saw with the the public sector public sector bodies accessibility regulations, uh, which came out in 2018, is that the adoption was very slow. So even though the regulations came into force, you know, within a couple of years. Um, the 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 websites weren't accessible. So so what we're seeing now is a lot of reactionary um, inquiries. You know, so so that we've got lots of public sector organisations getting in touch with us and saying, no, we we failed the test or uh, this sort of thing. And it's because um, I I don't want to say that they didn't take the regulation seriously. It's it's probably more the case that they just didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to tackle them um, and they had no guidance and they wouldn't have had an accessibility lead. So, you know, they, they just didn't have the things in place that they needed to and didn't know how to get them, probably. Although there was you know plenty of guidance from the government themselves, I, I, I think that people got a little bit lost with it. 
<clears throat> so I think we'll probably the see, see the same thing with the the, pub, the private sector regulations coming out of the EU. Um, of course, in the UK, they, they, we, we may or may not have regulations. I think we probably will have regulations that match. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but uh, in any case, you know, we, we, the, the companies in the UK probably won't want to fall behind their EU counterparts when, when that kicks in. So, um, so I think that it will make a change, but I think it'll probably lag a little bit behind the regulation and, you know, whether we'll start to see um, legal cases like we do in the States over, over this uh, is yet to be seen, but I think it's likely, I think it's much more likely. Um, I, I've been saying for years in the next couple of years, we're going to see some UK case law on this, but it, uh, it's very slow to materialize. Um, but I, I think it will come, you know, it's quite powerful, the legislation that's already there and for that to be bolstered by new legislation and, and for that to be brought sharply in focus um, to the public, I think I think we are going to see uh, the landscape change uh, again. Um, so, so, so to the first part, I think the digital space is, is constantly growing and evolving. Uh, and accelerating actually, especially with recent developments in AI and and VR as well, and they're going to be uh, probably the biggest causes of change um, and things that we don't have lots of guidance on now. Uh, we could definitely do with some VR accessibility guidelines um, ahead of mass adoption, and AI interfaces are probably going to move past keyboard and screens very quickly, um, and just like. Uh, other industries, I don't think we have the right tools to adapt yet, and we may see a lot of emerging technologies that don't have accessibility built in. Um, I know there's a lot of cynics that believe that large-scale AI adoption is still quite a way off, and VR experiences will never catch on, and perhaps they're right. Uh, but I, I have reservations. I think there's a clear direction emerging, and some of our current technologies, such as keyboards, are already starting to feel dated now, I think. Uh, if we really think about it, I mean, they've been around for a long time, and uh, we, you know, speech is uh, is something that we're starting to use more and more with with devices, and and I, I think we all want to be able to speak to uh, other devices more, uh, but they they're just not very good at responding right now. But I think that's going to change really quickly, uh, and something's going to give, and I think it'll happen much faster than people expect. I think that's that's a really really poignant point, and um, even just in my own <laughs> my own life, you know, I've got a, a microphone button on my TV remote. Who would have thought, you know? And and now I'm teaching my grandparents, like, oh, if you just press that and speak to it, it will come up. Yeah. You know, just say Netflix or whatever streaming platform you want to use, um, and it will just it it sort of takes it on. But then you instantly now because of being in this space i'm thinking well what if people don't have the ability to use that speech recognition technology they're gonna still need an element of of the manual process and is that fair is there something else we could do so it's yeah it's that constant emerging technology that's going to keep everyone on their toes and it's the the sort of perpetual need for people like yourself for consultancies like TIG um, and and others and it's just yeah it's it's I think making people aware that it's it's here to stay we need to cons cons constantly and continuously think about accessibility um, especially in this sort of tech world we're living in eh? <laughs> um, but the 
sorry did you want to add anything to that at all or? no 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 no. i was just agreeing with you it's it's um <clears throat> there's a lot of change that's going to happen very quickly uh and and i think we need to be more ready for it than we are absolutely um but yes i mean this might help them so the, the final question i usually ask every guest on the podcast is what's the most what's the simplest most cost effective and convenient way that someone can implement digital accessibility within any line of work yeah so you know uh accessibility is complicated and it's time consuming so it's hard to come up with something that's just a simple solution but i would say that you, you you need to invest the time just invest a tiny amount of time uh finding out what you don't know just to give you an idea of, of the scope of it because i think a lot of people are mistaken in thinking that accessibility is very easy to deliver um i think that uh, you know very often we get accessibility we're asked to do an audit right at the end of the process where there's there's no time to fix any of the things that we find or do a retest or maybe iterations of retest and we've had, you know, maybe no input into the design either. So, so you know, a product in that um, that that that's a very precarious position for a, a product to be in. And I think that's just born out of uh, just lack of awareness, lack of knowledge. Um, so I would say invest a tiny amount of time finding out what you don't know. Spend uh, maybe an hour looking at WCAG 2.2, uh, which which comes out today. Uh, yeah. You know that podcast will be later but uh, this is the day we're recording <clears throat> uh, so um, just so you have an idea of the scale of the accessibility requirements and start having conversations with with colleagues so that you can begin to foster an inclusive culture um, talk to an accessibility agency maybe ask for uh, a meeting 30 minutes of the time so you can talk about your current situation and I think most agencies will be glad to do this and the whole aim of this would be just to just to find out what you don't know don't be don't be ignorant about um you know how big the scope of accessibility is the task ahead of you to make things accessible uh, i think that's where the problems arise is is when people just have no knowledge of it and and you know that's what we see day in day out with with companies that just haven't given it enough time or attention because they didn't realize, you know, how how complicated or how important it was. Um, but but as a you know as a as a quick tip, you can download an accessibility checker. Uh, it won't tell you the whole story, but if you find errors, then uh, you'll need to do something about them. So if you were to download something like the Wave Wave toolbar for Chrome uh, accessibility checker and just run it over there that will give you a number of errors and you, you're going to have to do something about those errors because those errors mean uh, that somebody isn't being isn't going to be able to access your website in for lots of different reasons you don't want that um so yeah that that's that that's what i would say just just try and find out what you don't know and i don't mean learn everything that you don't know just appreciate the scope of how big this subject is um, and you could do that just by looking at the guidelines or just running an accessibility check and that will give you an idea brilliant that's an amazing tip and like you say it's having the humility to understand to, to realize you know I, I don't think we talk it 
it's quite a tricky topic i think to talk about because it sounds like we're bashing on people and being like why don't you know this why don't you do this but actually it's there are people out there that know this stuff and you just need to ask the question have the humility to be like well it's not something i focus on but i do care and i want to make sure that everyone can use our service or website or tool or whatever it might be um and yeah brilliant advice and there's that's a, a nice simple thing someone can do to take those first steps so thank you yeah you're welcome um the final thoughts then so i usually just sort of say this that's the end of the, the sort of formal question so thank you very much but um I just wanted to give you some time to share anything of real importance to you at the moment, either within the accessibility world or personal life or, or anything you'd like to add. Um, so I, I think, you know, one thing that um, I think as a general thing, I think people need to, um, especially in, in today's world where people are really anxious about things and there, there, there seems to be um, a lot of concern about um, uh, well, a lot a lot of people are struggling with their mental health and things like that. And we we talked a little bit about burnout as well, um, which is you know definitely a danger in our industry and something that you know I've I've grappled with as well. Um, and I I think you know what what I'd like to say is just be kind to yourself and, and remember you're human, um, and you'll make mistakes, but just just be authentic be honest with yourself and others um and uh and also in, invest in the people that care about you and it's it's easy in in the world we live in today to get distracted by you know a job or or media or things that are happen happening abroad or or, or you know, just big issues you know a lot of people are worried about things like ai and uh, the economy but i think you know what we should really be focusing on is investing in the people we care about and the people that care about us um and also invest in in ourselves as well you know building up knowledge making ourselves more valuable uh, mastering something you know whether it be in work or outside work mastering something is is quite a a valuable thing to do um and also to be brave as well um I, I think a lot of people get stuck in situations that they're not happy with. And I think, you know, um, to be brave, to to find ways of, of getting out of those situations is is really important too. So um, I think, yeah, not, not much on accessibility there, but I think these are things that I've been thinking about uh, quite a lot lately. And uh, I think they're, they're things that have helped me just to focus on those things. Thank you so much, Grant. That's yeah, it's a lovely thing to add. And um, like I say, I'm hoping to get this episode sort of edited and, and ready for release in the next couple of weeks. But Mental Health Awareness Day, I believe, is the 10th of October. So that would be either just finished or on the day. So when this comes out, so um, yeah, um, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to add. Um, and I usually finish each episode on a quote centred around accessibility to sort of promote that. But I think you've just done it yourself i think what you've what you've said there is is just as apt and i needn't say any more but i appreciate that you, you sent me some notes before the the episode so um i'm just going to sort of paraphrase and and repeat that for the quote if that's okay grant so uh, yeah. to be be kind to yourself remember that you're human and you'll make mistakes be authentic invest in the people that you care about and that care about you invest in yourself and to be brave 
I think that that's just uh, what what a better way to finish the uh, to finish the episode. <laughs> so there you go. I was going to quote you in a future episode, but I've done it in your own. So there you go. <laughs> oh, that's great, uh, Joe. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I've really enjoyed uh, talking about accessibility with you. And uh, maybe we'll do it again sometime. I hope so, definitely. I'm hoping to do some sort of panel episodes in the future as well. So it'd be great to sort of get some some minds together to sort of approach some subjects within the accessibility space. So I'd love to have you on, on an episode like that. And um, I hope it won't turn into a debate, but more of a discussion. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't guarantee that. Well, there we go. But thank you so much for joining me on the episode. Grant um, and for all the incredible work that you're doing within the accessibility and inclusive design space. Um, I hope that you've enjoyed the chat. Um, it's I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, like I say, we'll stay in touch. I'll share the links to Hugger, uh, so Hugger.app, um, Dig Inclusion, Nile and, and everything else. Um, so they'll be available in either the descriptions of the episode or alongside the posts for it. Um, but brilliant. Thank you so much, Grant, and um, look forward to staying in touch moving forward. OK, it's been my pleasure. Thanks very much, Joe.